All right, are we all ready to celebrate the Lord today? Hmm? Amen. If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to. And uh, let's just worship God today. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Count now. Some glad morning when this life is over, I fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I shall never end
during the prelude we did this song you know it doesn't matter really what this world throws at us and we're going through a lot of stuff right now but it doesn't matter because it's all about Jesus it's all about our relationship with him Give me Jesus. 
Give me Jesus, you can have all this world, you can have all this world, you can have all this world, just give me This is going to be completely different than what I'm used to. And I, know, and I know I said, I'll share all those announcements in the front, and the whole goal is not to share all these announcements then. But if you're here, if you're out there listening in Facebook land and want to be part of Greenspring Brethren in Christ Church, if you know how to run a computer, as in click, you know, point, click, point, click, we do need help. So some of you young teenagers, young adults who are really com- uh, computer literate, not illiterate, literate, um, raise your hand, volunteer, uh, talk to Gloria, talk to myself, talk to some others and say, yeah, I'm willing to help out on a Sunday now and then or whatever it may be every week, every third week, whatever it may be. We do need some help with some technical stuff uh, from our video and Facebook and all those wonderful things. So I'm putting that out there for you to pray about and think about uh, for a way for you to be involved in our church and to be part of that kind of a ministry here in our church. We are going to continue looking at the book of Zechariah. Uh, I believe that Zechariah's word is fitting for us in each of our lives. 
If you do have your Bibles, I ask you to turn to Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to look at some more of the the imagery, imagery that Zechariah gives to us and some of the focus that he gives to us this week and what it may point to in our own lives. And the words will be up behind me. They're a little bit small, so certainly if you do have your Bibles, um, have them open to Zechariah chapter 4. God's word says, Then the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me, as a man is wakened from his sleep. And he asked me, What do you see? And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it, with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And he answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. And then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the earth. Then I asked the angel, What are these two olive trees in the right and the left of the lampstand? Again I asked him, What are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? And he replied, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you give us your word to be a light unto our path. And we ask this morning, Heavenly Father, that as we look to your word, that you illuminate it into our lives. That your word is alive for us. And it speaks to our hearts. speaks to our minds. It guides us in the paths that we should take. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the prophetic words from Zechariah. And that we have them today to read, to understand, and to apply to our lives. I ask that you be with us as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, today in the book of Zechariah, we have all of these images that come out. And Zechariah chapter 4 is loaded with these kind of images. If you're the kind of person, if you want to get out your pencil and start, you know, little notes on the side of your Bible and try and say, okay, this is what this means. This is what this means. I'm going to try and talk through some of those images so you understand them, so you have some comprehension. I'm also going to give you some alternate views of what people think in regards to them. Uh, And if on your own you feel like getting on the internet and surfing and saying, you know, what does Zechariah chapter 4 golden lampstands mean you will get all kinds of fancy pictures and diagrams of people who have drew this out with all kinds of wild ideas i'm going to try and keep it simple for us this morning and stick with the what i believe the simple word that should be coming forth for us but in all fairness i'm going to give you everything that's there and so with this we have this golden lampstand we have a bowl on the top 
We have seven lamps with seven channels to the lamps for the oil to flow to them. And then we have these two olive trees that pour out golden oil into the bowl for the lamps. And so hopefully you can paint that picture in your mind uh, of two trees on the side, oil flowing from these two trees going into a bowl. This bowl is sitting on the top of a golden lampstand. And from this bowl, there are seven channels that go up and you have seven lights that are burning. Uh, A pretty straightforward image for us of of this picture that Zechariah is giving us. So with with this, again, there's all kinds of explanations of this. And as we can even see in Zechariah chapter 4, multiple times over and over and over, and I'll get to that, where Zechariah is like, I have no idea what what this means. (laughs) What what in the world is this? So I'm going to go a little bit um, with this because it's not always clear, and it wasn't clear to Zechariah. I mean, really, he says, I have no idea. I, I believe it's right in the middle and he says, you know, do you know what these are? Nope. Have no idea. I don't know what they are. I mean, down in verse 11, he gets even further where he says, then I asked the angel. He had to go again and say, well, what are these? What are these two olive trees? And then in verse 12, he says, again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches besides the gold stands? And the, the angel of the Lord says, don't you, don't you get it yet? Uh, so over and over and over, he's trying to explain this to Zechariah to get this picture. And so he's basically saying to Zechariah, hey, look, it's straightforward. Don't you get it? And, nope, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And so hopefully for us, we'll get it. So where do some people go with this? Some people go that the two olive trees, and this is where we have to focus to understand the whole story, because the oil starts at the two olive trees, flows into the golden bowl. From there, the seven channels up into the seven lights. What are these two olive trees? Some people say it's Enoch and Elijah. Why Enoch and Elijah? Well, when we read through the Bible, they're the two people that never died. Enoch walked with the Lord and he was no more. And Elijah was taken up to the Lord in a whirlwind. So some people say, oh, it's Enoch and Elijah. Other people say, well, it's Moses and Elijah. And they say that because in the New Testament, when Jesus was on the, the mountain and he was transfigured in front of his disciples... Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus and ministered to him and talked with him. So some people say, well, this is referring to the the Moses and Elijah that would be in the New Testament that would speak to Jesus. And they go to that direction. Um, Other people uh, go off and say, well, this is the Spirit of God. Uh, Some people try to go and draw a picture and say, well, this is God the Father on one olive tree and the Holy Spirit in the other olive tree and they get, and then you get into some really wild analogies of what does the candlestick mean and what does the lampstand mean and what do the lights mean and then it all starts to fall apart again. I'm going to go with a very simple idea and uh, hopefully a straightforward for us, an idea for us. In chapter 3, we talked about Joshua the high priest. So we just finished, and we have to remember when Zechariah gave this prophecy, it wasn't like he wrote in chapters, He just finished talking about Joshua, the high priest. And then in chapter 4, he starts to prophesy about Zerubbabel, who was the king, not technically the king, but he was the leader of the people who would lead the people of Israel and rebuild the temple. Very, very simple. Understand the two olive trees. And going back to the last verse, these are the two who are anointed... These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Who was anointed to serve the Lord in Zechariah's time? 
Joshua the high priest, and Zerubbabel the king. And it's actually the predominant thought of what these two olive trees are. Now, I'm going to give you some explanation of this and, and sort of you know, go through and rewind a little bit so you understand how we can even back this up a little bit. I don't just want to go off on a limb and say, please believe me that it's, it's Joshua and, and Zerubbabel. Uh, I'm going to go from a priestly perspective. I have to rewind, go back in the Bible, and I'm going to go to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 2. And this is Aaron, the first high priest. Leviticus 18, verse 12. I'm sorry, I got that. Leviticus 8, verse 12. I'll get it right. 8, 12. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. We aren't talking about a little bit of a sprinkling. We're talking about a big pouring. So Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the high priest, the one who would serve the people and who would be the ambassador before God. So in the Old Testament, if you had a sacrifice for sin, you didn't do it in your backyard on the barbecue grill. You went to the temple and the high priest interceded on your behalf and stood there on your behalf. So in Leviticus 8.12, we have the oil being poured down on the high priest, on, on Aaron the high priest. The next high priest, and the next high priest, and the next high priest, and the next high priest. The oil was poured down on him. It was actually described in the Bible that the oil was poured on his head, flowed down over his beard. I lost that this week. Uh, cleaned up some. My wife's happy. Flowed down over his beard and literally flowed down to the hem of his robes. I'm talking a bucket of oil here, people. Anointed him, flowed onto him, and this oil then would flow out to the people because the high priest would minister to the people who are around him. There's the high priest. So if you get the picture now of the, of the priest being the anointed one, and in chapter 3, we have Joshua who was to serve as the high priest. Now I'm going to go to the next part and understand from a kingly perspective. Do you remember the story of David? When he was anointed to be the king? Here we have it. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil. Now we're talking a horn, maybe a ram's horn, whatever it was. Took the horn of oil and anointed him, him being David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Get the picture? Take the, the horn of anointing, pour it over David's head. He is now the anointed of God to rule over and lead the Israelite people. We have a priest who was to be their ambassador before God, their intercessor before God, the one who would spiritually lead them. And then we have the king who would rule over them and guide them in the right way and direct them in the right way. We have a priest and the king. And in here in Zechariah, we have Joshua, the priest, and Zerubbabel, the king. And so bringing that picture. So with the two olive trees, we have the two anointed to serve the people who are around them, to be the servants of the Lord and to serve the Lord for the people who are around them. And so the anointing of God would flow down through them and then to the people of God. And the oil flows from the priest and the king to the people of Judah. Now I'm going to jump forward to the New Testament and 
we're going to start to talk about what Jesus Christ has done for us because we have to take this imagery and then also understand that it's a prophetic imagery that takes us to the, to the New Testament where the oil flows. Where do we read about seven candlesticks in the New Testament? Go to the book of Revelation and we read about the seven churches who were the seven candlesticks who were before God. What does the church become in the New Testament? The church becomes a light to the world. We are told to go and let our light shine before men so that all may come to know Him. To let our light shine. We are becoming, we are a candlestick letting our light shine. And so now I have to understand this, how this imagery starts to fit into my own life in regards to us being a candlestick. And where does this priest and prophet, or priest and king, where do they sit in our world today? And how does that impact my life as a Christian? I want to go back to Isaiah 49.6. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I want you to hear this sentence. I will make, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles so my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. That was being told to the Israelites in the Old Testament that they were to be a light that would shine so that all the Gentiles would know about God. Jump forward again to the New Testament. And where does our light shine? Our light is supposed to shine before all men. Why? Because people can look and say, oh, they're shiny? No, so that way all men would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to keep rolling forward into the New Testament and understand, how does Jesus fit into all of this picture? Who is Jesus? Well, I know that he comes from the line of David. I start reading through the New Testament, and it's very clear he comes from the line of David. So he's king. He is king. But then what about priests? Well, then if I start looking in the book of Hebrews, we were studying um, way back when. <laughs> Everything stopped on Wednesday nights. But looking at the book of Hebrews, he's a king and priest through the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5.6, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Priest, king, Joshua, Zerubbabel, priest, king, Jesus Christ. You see the prophetic vision that's bringing this forward into our world as Christians and understanding that we have a priest and king who flows into our lives so that we can be the light of the world. Now go back to Zechariah again. Two olive trees, oil flowing out into a bowl, lighting up these candles so that way the Israelites could be a light to the Gentiles Bring it back forward into the prophetic vision. Jesus Christ is our priest and king. He is the priest and king. And the oil flowing out into our lives. So that way we can be a light to the world. Here's the icing on the cake. John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. It's the icing on the cake if we want to understand this imagery back in Zechariah chapter 4 that talks about these candlesticks shining light. We have Jesus becoming the full package of this prophecy of not only the olive trees, but the light as well and shining into this dark world. So hopefully you follow through on some of this imagery of these olive trees and this bowl and the candlesticks and understand where this light is coming from. We have two trees, prophet and priest, anointed with oil, serving, serving the people of God, and anointed to serve the people of God so that way they could let their light shine for God. And God does bring this all into perfect fruition through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. He's God's anointed Son. 
both priest and king, and because of this, he expects us to have our light shine as well. With this, I haven't even talked about yet about what does this all mean to me. There's no points on the board behind me yet, and I'm just getting to this point. But we have to understand this because then we get these little nuances of messages that are through this story, and that's where I want us to go and say, well, how do I apply this to my life, and what do I do with all of this? And what happened with Zechariah when he started to realize this, and how did it change him, so how does it change me? And the first part is, I don't want us to miss this, and I like this right at the beginning. Then the angel who walked, who talked with me returned, and he wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. I want us to understand, there's a time to wake up. That's my first point. A time to wake up. It's where this chapter starts. It's where Zechariah starts with this. I don't know what was going on with Zechariah. I don't know if, why he was asleep. I don't know if he was distracted by something. I don't know if he was still thinking about Joshua the priest in chapter 3 and that whole prophecy. But whatever was going on, something changed that he progressed then into this, into this sleep where he was distracted from what God wanted to say in his life and he was off whatever, physically asleep or just mentally asleep. And the angel of the Lord had to come to him and say, the alarm's going off, Zechariah. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. The coffee's cooking. The coffee's brewing. Let's go, Zechariah. It's time to wake up. You need to understand. You need to see. What do you see? You need to see what God is about to do. You need to understand what God's about to do. And you need to get busy doing what God's about to do. And he's getting Zechariah saying, it's time to wake up. And this does become us. We get distracted. We get busy. We go off on our tangents. We have all kinds of directions. And we miss out quite often on what God's intending for us. And when we're in this state, God comes. The alarm clock goes off. And he says, look, Ralph, wake up. He's saying, wake up. Understand, I want you going over here. And you keep going over here. Wake up. See. Listen to me. And start doing what I want you to do. And that's where the first call into Zechariah into this. And I believe it's the first call for us. is for us to wake up. God gives us all kinds of wake-up calls. If you don't understand, we've been going through this season. I, I find it funny that with my grandchildren, when they use the word, it's corona season. Almost if it's, it's spring, winter, fall, summer, corona. And, and we have five seasons now. So when this season's over, then we go into summer. But if you haven't realized through this whole coronavirus, whether we believe whatever we believe about it, do you understand that God's given us a wake-up call? That God's given us a wake-up call. He's given us an opportunity in our lives to hit the reset button and say, where am I at spiritually? Is my heart really the place that it needs to be? Are my words really the words that I should say? Are my deeds really the deeds that God wants me to be doing? Did I hear the alarm go off or am I here 12, 13 weeks later saying, oh, it's just normal. Life is normal. Let's, let's get back to normal and forget this ever happened. God wants to give us wake-up calls. Sometimes He gives us wake-up calls he allows wake-up calls in our lives that are sickness. And we don't like it. Sometimes sometimes he injures our foot and gives us a wake-up call and, and, and has us stop and sit. I, I sat with pneumonia two years ago. Hey, there's a big wake-up call. What are you doing? What are you doing that you ended up with pneumonia? And, you, and hey, when you have pneumonia and you have it bad enough, you sit on the couch for several days until you get your strength back, until you can at least function. Those kinds of things come into our lives and God's hitting that wake up button. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Because He wants us to see and He wants us to understand what He wants us to do and then He wants us to do 
what he wants us to do. I'm going to move on because we do have to wake up from our, our spiritual stupor and understand where we're at. But it moves on from just waking up because there's a time to step up. This is a beautiful verse. If you want to memorize a verse, who despises the day of small things? Some translation says, who despises the day of new beginnings? Verse 10 of Zechariah chapter 4. Put that one into your life. Whenever you look at anything in your life that is small, whenever you look at anything in your life and you say, this is not going to amount to anything, who despises the day of of small beginnings? Everything has to start somewhere. Everything has to start somewhere. You may look into your own life from a spiritual perspective and say, I can't even quote one scripture verse. That's good. That's good. Because maybe by next Sunday you can quote one. And that's better. Don't despise the the day of small beginnings. God wants to do something big in each of our lives. God wants to take us somewhere in each of our lives. And unless we choose to step up, it's not going to happen. And we're looking at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Right now, in in Zechariah chapter 4, there's only stones on the ground. They only poured the footers, if you would, for the new temple. It's not been built. But the Bible tells us there's a day that is coming for Zerubbabel when the plumb line, the measuring stick, the, the leveling stick would be on the side of the building. They'd have the, the metal on the bottom, the plumb line, and they'd be up at the top and they'd be measuring and saying, yep, the wall is straight. Look, the wall is going up and it's nice and straight and it's beautiful and it's glorious and people would rejoice at it. Don't despise the day of small beginnings and when there's a time for us to step up in our lives to allow God to continue to work in our lives. Another verse talks about the capstone, about the cornerstone, about there will be a celebration when that capstone is put in verse 7. Then they will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. When they get to that point in their building and all of the walls are going up and everything's going together and they have that one last stone to sit in, the capstone, the perfect stone, and the, the building is complete and there will be a celebration. I am sure, and I wasn't here, that back in, in 1990, and I won't even get the date, when, when this building was finished, I am sure there was celebration. I am sure there was a, a celebration in the par- parking lot of dedicating this building to the glory of God and the great work that went into building this building, and it was a celebration. When you have a new house, you go into that new house and you celebrate, God is doing something great in my house and, and you, you have the new floors and the new counters and the new roof and you're celebrating and you're joyous. They were going to celebrate and don't despise the fact that it's just footers. It's just starting out. There's a day where God is going to do something great in each of our lives and that's what we need to start to look forward to. For us who are busy doing the work of God, don't despise the day of small things, the day of small beginnings. No matter what our age is, no matter what our age is, we can always look up to others and say, wow, they're doing some really great stuff. And we can always do that. I was listening to a podcast the other day. A guy started 12,000 churches. Could you imagine? One guy, one guy in his ministry has started 12,000 churches. I'm like, wow. And then God says, yeah, so, so. See, I don't think he's doing it because he wants someone to pat him on the back and say, oh, look how great he is with 12,000 churches. There was a day when he didn't have any churches. And he didn't know that God would take him to that. We all quite often look at our lives today and we say, uh, 
This is where I'm at. And God's saying, don't look at where you're at. And he's saying to Zerubbabel through Zechariah, don't look at where you're at. Look forward to that great temple that will be built. When the capstone is put onto it, when everybody will celebrate how good it is, don't look at the fact that it's just starting out. God's not looking at it. God's looking at what we will be. God knows where we're at, but he knows where we'll be. Allow God to work in our lives. And when I say it's time to step up, it's time to step up and allow God to work in our lives, to allow the power of God to rest upon us and to do something for God and do what he wants us to do. But if we sit back and we say, yeah, I I was going to start a men's group, but only two guys came out, so we're not going to have it. What's wrong with two guys coming out for a men's group? Maybe the next week it'll be four and the next week it'll be eight. But I tell you, if we quit right now, if we quit right now, it'll be zero. Do you understand the analogy? And each of our ministries and where God is calling us to, and if God's speaking to your heart to say, go do this, it's time to step up and do it. See, we, we've already been asked to wake up and press that reset button, and now we're being asked to step up, and what God's putting on your heart, go and do it, because God knows what the fruition is of that. God knows how it's going to blossom. God knows how the celebration is going to be on the end of it. And so Zerubbabel wasn't to idly stand by and do nothing. He was to get busy building the temple. It was time for him to step up. And as God's children, we need to do the same. It's time to step up. An old course, building up the temple. We sing these old courses in Sunday school long, long time ago. They're all in my head. Building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. And when you're five, you scratch your head and say, what is that about? What is that about? Zerubbabel, don't despise the, the small beginnings. Start building the temple of God. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and Jesus Christ, don't despise the the small beginnings. Start doing what God wants you to do and allow God to work in your life and where he's calling you to and allow God to take care of what the future is. He's just asking us to be his hands and feet today and to step up. God has called us to go and make disciples. He's called us to love one another. He's called us to go and preach the gospel to every nation. He's called us to grow in him. He's called us to teach and instruct each other. He has called us to let our light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's time to step up. And God is calling us to step up, not based on what today looks like. It's based on what God sees tomorrow to look like. And to keep on going, it's time to wake up, time to step up, and it's a time to light up. Okay, yes, the pastor said it's time to light up. This is not an opportunity to run to the parking lot, though. You can take that one. You can use it any time you want. I don't care. Yes, the pastor said, it's time to lay up. There's another course. There's another one. You sing it. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. Now, you sing that old song when you're five years old. Yeah, and then Misty's getting all the emotions going up. When you're five years old and you scratch your head and you say, now what is that one about? Give me oil. I don't even have a lamp. I don't even have a lamp. How am I supposed to put oil in my lamp? And there's a reality. It's time to light up. So how do we do that? How do we do that? The king and the priest, the two olive trees that were there in, in this vision that we started off with, that I went through and explained with, with Joshua and Zerubbabel, the high priest and the king were there to bring an anointing into the people into the people so that way they would have oil and they could light up. And as they light up, they could be able to serve 
the world that was around them and let God shine before the people that were around them. They were to be a nation shining for God, a light for God, shining brightly for Him. In Zechariah verse 12, chapter 4, verse 12, again I asked them, what are those two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? They were there to pour out oil into their lives so the people could light up for God. I want to jump into the New Testament for us in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, so we can apply this to our lives and understand it. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Oh, wait a minute. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit in power. Keyword, anointing. You hear the word anointing? I want to go to another verse. Luke 4, 18 and 19. This is Jesus himself reading from Isaiah 61. Jesus is reading and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Two examples of the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus Christ to allow him to be the the light of the world. But what about us? What about us? Matthew 25 gives us the parable, I believe, is the answer to this. Matthew 25 has this parable. Sometimes it gets all twisted around and confused. And I'm just going to summarize the parable for you from Matthew 25. It's the one about the the ten virgins. And all of them had lamps. And all of them had oil. And they all were waiting for the bridegroom to come. So something that was real to their society in that day. And 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 the brides would wait. You know, so we have the ten virgins who are waiting, and they're going to go to this wedding feast. They're going to go celebrate this wedding, and they're waiting, and they all fell asleep. Time to wake up. The bridegroom's coming. (laughs) And then five of them said, oh, we ran out of oil. Give us some oil. And the other five said, we can't. We can't give you any oil. We, We have what we have, and it's enough only for us to be able to get to the wedding feast. And they off they went to the, and they said, go buy some. Go see if you can buy some. In the middle of the night, the stores aren't open, but go buy some. And the five went off to the wedding feast. And they went to that wedding feast and enjoyed it. And the other five finally found oil somewhere, finally got to the wedding feast, knocked on the door. And then they were, I don't even know who you are. The door's closed. The party's going on. You've got to leave. What's the difference between the two? Two groups, five and five. The reality is five of them, allowed God to pour into their lives, bringing this and applying it to us, to allow the Holy Spirit of God to pour into their lives and to anoint them and to fill them with the Holy Spirit, that they were filled with oil. Oil as a representative of the power of God. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning. So we have this oil flowing into our lives. We have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing into our lives, the goodness of God coming into our life, the peace of God coming into our life, the graces of God coming into our lives. And we either keep ourselves plugged into God and allowing that oil to flow into our lives. Where does it come from? I believe that God sent the Holy Spirit to come and to be our comforter and to be our guide and to lead us through life, to be the strength that is within us, and with all of those things of the Holy Spirit sent by God, bringing that anointing to us so we can let our light shine. 
But without the Holy Spirit, without God in our lives, we're just a good person walking through life, if we're even that. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us and to light us up. It's time to light up. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit of God to flow into our lives in such a way that our lights really shine before men. It's time for the Holy Spirit to burn within us and drive us to read our Bibles. It's time for the Holy Spirit to be poured into us and drive us to pray, to think about what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. It's time to light up and fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel to all. It's time to light up and clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's time to let up and let the message of Christ dwell among us richly so we can teach and admonish each other with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That's everything from the Bible. It's time to light up, and that's what God can do in all of our lives. So wrapping all of this up, it is time to wake up. It's time for us to step up. It's time for us to light up. Zechariah saw a day when the power of God would flow through a priest and king and change the world. Jesus Christ became the capstone, the cornerstone. He described himself as as the cornerstone. And the word of God through Zechariah prophesied Jesus again coming to be our priest and king. So, Jesus Christ as the capstone, as the priest and king. Is he our high priest and king? Maybe he isn't your high priest and king. Maybe we need to decide that he should be our high priest and king and that he needs to be. It really is a time to wake up. It's a time to step up. And it's a time to light up. Let God pour into your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you continue to guide us in our lives, equip us, Strengthen us. And I know through the words of Zechariah as he looked at the reality of his day and the vision that you have given to him, but also looking to a day when your son Jesus Christ would come and pour out his life as a ransom for many, where he would die on the cross for our sins. And as we walk with you, Heavenly Father, I know there are many times where you have to come to us and say, Wake up, why are you sleeping? Help us to wake up, Lord. In places where we find ourselves slumbering, distracted, off on tangents, help us to wake up. I know, Heavenly Father, our vision sometimes just looks and says, Oh, woe is me. Where's this going? This is nothing. Lord, help us to understand it's time for us to step up as well. And we see things through your eyes, and we see the great things that you can do. Allow us to be your hands and feet and do great things for you. Lord, we can't do any of it without the power of your Holy Spirit. Time for us to light up, Lord. Pour your Holy Spirit on each and every one of us. Pour your Holy Spirit on us in a powerful way. That we do not walk in fear. That we walk in your strength. That we walk as your children, willing to serve you and willing to live for you. And willing to let our light shine before all men. It's our desire, Lord, to be like you and to lead other people to you. Lord, I thank you for being with us in this house this morning. I thank you for that opportunity to sit side by side and worship you. This glorious, wonderful time of feeling your presence pouring into our lives. 
do ask, Heavenly Father, that you continue to place that hedge of protection around each of us as we go through this week. And you continue to guide us, protect us. And thank you for your love for us. May we find ourselves walking through life as your ambassadors, letting our light shine. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. Have a wonderful, glorious week. And may God be with you and continue to strengthen you. God bless.